Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. We are excited that you're here with us today on what is a milestone uh, day, really, in the life of our church. And uh, if you're new here and you have no idea what we're talking about, um, I'll break the news to you that you picked a really weird Sunday to show up for the first time, but that you're still really welcome here. And uh, we're excited that you chose to join us. And hopefully, uh, for where we're going, we're really, today is the kickoff of a two-year spiritual journey that we've been ramping up towards over these past few weeks. And uh, again, if you're new here, my hope for you is that as we talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about in church today a little bit, right? Generosity and and big initiatives and where we're going. Uh, My hope is that you don't feel pressured or obligated or manipulated or anything like that about where, where we're going. But really, my hope is that what you hear from us is our heart for the type of people that we wanna be here at Story and catch a vision for how we view our role in this community. And maybe you would wanna say what we're all saying today, which is I'm in for more of what God wants to do in us and through us. Uh, If you've been here and been around for a while, then man, I hope today it's both a celebration and something that builds anticipation for where we're gonna go over the next few years. I hope it is both exciting and that you're expectant of what God is gonna do and that you choose just like me for this next season to lean in uh, like we haven't before in the past. But Uh, The whole thing, if you haven't caught on yet by the big letters over the past four weeks, we've wrapped it around this idea of being all in or saying that I'm in. And it's a really powerful commitment uh, to tell a person or a group of people that you're in with them, right? Like uh, whenever I'm with our students uh, as a small group leader in my past as a student ministry intern, uh, when I would teach, one of the most important things I often tried to teach about was choosing your friends, because the, the friends that you choose, especially in middle school and high school and maybe even into college, can sh- like direct, uh, they, they affect the quality and the direction of your life like nothing else. And, and that's because of the power of saying I'm in with a group of people. Right? You probably know that if you think about your friends in high school. They either made you who you are in the best ways or you're recovering from who they made you to be, right? <laughs> like uh, people can just have that kind of influence with us. And whether it's a group of friends or a partner in life or an organization or a mission like the church, it's a powerful thing to make a commitment and to say I'm in. And we unashamedly today are asking all of you to make that type of commitment today for the next season here at Story Church. Specifically, we're looking at the next two years and beginning today are starting a spiritual journey that's gonna lead us into our next home. So we have a facility that we're developing, but also going to stretch us in our faith. It's gonna challenge us to trust God. It's gonna challenge us to sacrifice. It's gonna challenge us to grow in our sense of our identity in Jesus. And it's gonna be an exciting time together. So it's really an opportunity for all of us to get some skin in the game and uh, lean into what's next together. And uh, the most tangible, exciting piece of it is our new facility. Uh, We've shown it every other week, so we'll show it to you again. There is the building. It's the former Knights of Columbus building uh, right in downtown Peru, which I'm really excited about. Uh, If you were with us last week, I'm happy to report that the lawn was mowed this week. Okay. It was on Friday. It was me with a push mower. I'll confess. We're not going to keep doing that all summer. Okay. Or I'm not going to keep doing that all summer, but uh, it does look a lot better than it did last week. And uh, more importantly, we're going to redevelop this space to become a church home for us. So here's like a rough floor plan of what that could look like. We'll have a kid's wing. We'll have a lobby where we can still hang out. Of course, restrooms are important. And then we'll have an auditorium where we can gather as well. And we'll just scroll through. There's a couple of images of what it could look like, but we're really 
really excited uh, to have a, a home and a space of our own. The Roxy has been an incredible host to us over the past several years, and uh, we're like not locked in on a timeline, so we want to keep things good here. But uh, they've been incredible for us, but there's so much more that we can do when we have our own space. Like we were talking about student ministry. Uh, we have had host homes who have stepped up and hosted our student ministry for almost two years now, and it's been amazing. But it's going to be even more amazing to have a consistent space where our students can gather week in and week out. Uh, I mean, Sunday gatherings will be awesome. Like we set up a photo backdrop. I don't know if you noticed out in the lobby. And yesterday, Sarah was like, you know what? We could do so much more if we didn't have to just set this up on Saturday night and then figure out how we're gonna get torn down by like one o'clock so that movies could show again. So like even little things like that, there's gonna be so much more potential. But even beyond Sunday morning, what I'm so excited about are some of the other opportunities we have to serve and to reach the community. Uh, we've talked about creating space for our groups to meet where people could meet throughout the week and just connect with one another. We've talked about the idea of maybe some type of tutoring ministry where we can connect with students uh, after school and try and invest in them. We're gonna come alongside community partners. That's what I love about being downtown is we're kind of in the heart of activity for the city. So we're gonna partner with other organizations who are doing great work. And there's just so much opportunity that's heading our way. Uh, here's the challenge side of that. All the opportunity in the world and all the excitement in the world and all the vision in the world does not actually pay for a building renovation. Uh, we have to get some skin in the game and we're actually on this journey in part to raise the funds uh, to move into this new home. But our number one goal for the I'm In journey, again, this two-year initiative that we're kicking off today, is not financial at all. Our number one goal is for 100% engagement from everyone who calls Story Church your church home. And the reason that we're aiming for that 100% engagement is because we really mean it when we call this thing a spiritual journey. We want it to be something that, that challenges us, not just financially, but actually spiritually at a heart level, to trust God in a new way, uh, to reconsider or maybe consider for the first time what it means to find our identity in Him. And, and so here's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying everybody should give the same amount. All of us are at different places spiritually, and that's okay. Uh, all of us are at different places financially, and, and that's okay too. But we do want everyone to do something. Our goal is 100% engagement, that maybe we wouldn't have equal gifts, but we would pursue equal sacrifice together. And specifically, uh, I didn't grab one, but sitting on the seat, can you hear me that? You're awesome, thank you. Uh, sitting on your seat in front of you, uh, or if you're in the front row, you might be sitting on it, but uh, it was a card like this. We passed these out for the past few weeks, and uh, really quickly, I just want to run you through kind of the nuts and bolts of the commitment we're asking everyone to make today. There's three ways we're asking people to financially partner with us, and the first is through a one-time gift. We're asking people to give courageously, uh, if possible, to give their largest gift towards this initiative today uh, so that we could have resources on the front side as far as figuring out mortgages and construction loans and all that. The more we have now, the less we'll have to borrow and the better wealth we go down the road. So we're asking people to give courageously, whether that's like lump sum giving that you just have in savings, or maybe you had a great year last year and you're trying to figure out what you want to do with it, or there's an investment that you chose to cash in. Uh, we're asking all of us to consider today making our largest gift that we've made yet to Story Church today. The second way uh, we're asking you to partner with us is through a recurring gift increase, through giving consistently. This is the one I've probably talked about the most because in so many ways, I think it is the healthiest way to give. Uh, we've all probably experienced 
seeing the Sarah McLaughlin commercial with the puppies and feeling all the sad feelings and feeling like I got to do something, right? That's okay, right? We should save the puppies. But in terms of following Jesus, I think true generosity is much more intentional and it's much more planned. It's a deliberate act to choose to prioritize certain things over other things. And that's really what a recurring gift does. It's this consistent way that we say, I'm going to choose to invest in the church that I love. And, and I want to celebrate, I mean, there are so many of you who do this week in and week out, whether it's a weekly gift or a monthly gift. Uh, you guys are the ones who make it possible for us to budget and plan responsibly and really are the ones who create the security for us to be able to step into new things like this building and this initiative together. So thank you so much. Um, at the same time, we're all trying to stretch ourselves and challenge ourselves on this journey. So we're challenging you to consider bumping up that gift over the next two years by a certain amount. Uh, in fact, there's a chart on this card uh, that will show you the impact that can happen over time, uh, whether it's through a weekly or a monthly gift. And it's, for me at least, surprising to see over the course of two years uh, what that regular giving can become. So we're asking you to stretch for two years. Uh, for those of you who have not yet set up any type of recurring gift, your next step is easy. It's just to get in the game. It's to do something. And so whatever that looks like for you, uh, we're asking everyone to consider to give consistently. And then the third way that we're inviting people to partner with us is really giving creatively through a non-cash donation. So this would be that old mint condition Pikachu Pokemon card that you've got sitting on the shelf or whatever from back in the day or your collector's item from whatever generation you may find yourself in. Uh, for me, I'm going to sell some of my high school like guitar gear that I have laying around, which uh, I was thinking about, I'm like, ah, it kind of hurts because it's like sentimental and I'm a sentimental guy and like I love having that stuff around. And then I was like, Eric, it's sacrifice. Like it's not supposed to just be easy or it wouldn't really be sacrificed. So, so we're going to sell some of that and, and give that. But whatever it may be, we're asking you to think creatively. Maybe there's something that you have that has some value that, that you don't need anymore or that you're willing to sacrifice uh, to be a part of this next season here at Story Church. That's how we're asking you to give creatively. But our number one goal, again, is 100% engagement. It's for everyone to do something. A and then on top, or in the target that we're going for, for everyone to do something, our financial goal is for us to raise $350,000 over the course of the next two years. And I never know how to feel when I throw that number out. Okay, we'll find out later today after Commitment Sunday. <laughs> but um, every time I throw that number out, I, I was telling the team earlier, like, I feel like on some level, I've tried to like preach these past four weekends, like we're going for 1.5 million or something. Uh, which we're not yet, we may someday, okay? But uh, at the same time, $350,000, it, it's a stretch for us. It, it's a stretch for us for where we've been. It's a healthy stretch uh, in a lot of ways. But we're excited to try and step into this season together. And as far as what we plan to do with those resources uh, that we're gonna raise together, primarily we're gonna fund our building re renovation. The overall budget that we're aiming for for that building is three hundred fifty to $400,000 right now. We're not gonna finance all of that, okay? In fact, we wanna finance as little as possible for that. But then beyond that renovation, uh, our intent over the next two years is we'd also love to add some staff members to our team. As our church continues to grow, and we do continue to grow, uh, we want to make sure that we're supporting the people that we're gathering together. And so we're looking to add to our staff team. If you didn't know right now, I am our only paid staff, and then we have some amazing volunteer staff leaders. But we'd like to change that over the course of the next two years. Uh, we also want to bless partner organizations. I already talked about this. We want to come alongside people who are doing great work in the community and not replicate it and slap a Story Church brand on it, but rather we want to support them and we want to resource them in the work 
that they're already doing. A quick example is in July, we're gonna tell you more about this in the days ahead, we're partnering with the uh, back to school event that happens at the circus building to make sure kids have uh, school supplies for this next season. So we're really excited about that opportunity. Yeah, thanks. And that's all thanks to somebody amazing in the church. He was like, hey, can we do this? And I'm like, yes. We've actually talked about doing it for years inside baseball. And I always think about it in July when the event is like right about to happen. And I'm like, well, kind of late for that. So thanks for raising our awareness and uh, letting us be a part of that. But we're looking for people to partner with over these next two years to continue to make an impact in the community. And then finally, uh, we're going to come alongside a church planner and help plant a, a new faith community called The Sanctuary in downtown Indianapolis, in the neighborhood, actually, of the planter named Micah Davis. He's a friend of mine. Uh, but through a, a network that we're a part of called The New Thing Network, we're coming alongside Micah and want to support him because new churches, they reach new people. In fact, that's our story, right? We've launched this thing three times and people have come alongside us every single time. And so now it's our opportunity to get to do that again. And I feel every time, because I know we've got our small town pride, that I've got to like speak to the elephant in the room of like, why would we send our Peru dollars to Indianapolis? Like, don't they have enough? Do they really need another church? Uh, Yes, they do need another church because I think every community needs more healthy, thriving churches. And uh, I actually kind of love the idea that the little guy gets to support the big city church, right? That, that it will always be a part of the sanctuary story. That story church in Peru, Indiana came alongside them and helped them launch at the beginning. So I, I like the punk rockness of that, okay? So that's why it's a part of what we're doing. Plus we believe in Micah. He's gonna be here on July 2nd. So you'll be able to hear him teaching and get to know him and hear more about what God's doing through him and his team at the sanctuary. But all of that, Okay, is gonna lead us to at the end of our time together today. We're gonna invite you to actually today make a commitment to be a part of this initiative for the next two years to join us in stepping into our next chapter together. But beyond all of that nuts and bolts stuff that I just covered, okay, beyond just a building project or a dollar amount that we're trying to raise, we really genuinely do want these next two years to be a spiritual journey for us. We want it to be as much about what God is doing in our hearts and and what it means for us to really follow him as it is about the building or anything that we're able to accomplish uh, together. We want to grow through our sacrifice to trust God more. And alongside the logistical aspects of this, uh, I really want us to focus on the idea of our identity, of what it means to find our identity in Jesus. And because I'm a pastor, we came up with uh, four clever little phrases that all start with the letters I-N, right, because that's what you do when you're a pastor, uh, that all talk about aspects of what it means to really find our identity in Jesus. And so we've been talking about these. The first is that I'm invited. All of us are invited, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you feel like you have or don't have, everyone is invited into God's family. And, and not only that, but everyone is invited to contribute and, and to belong in God's family. That no matter how little you may feel like you have to offer, everyone's gift and everyone's giving matters in the midst of God's family. So you're invited. Uh, last week, we talked about the idea that I am influential. Uh, that it seems like the world, at least if you pay attention to the news, uh, it seems like the world grows darker and darker all the time, but we're called to be the light of the world, that Jesus actually called us to use our influence in in a healthy and in a positive way, and so we're focusing for these years around what it looks like to actually be the light of the world, to actually reflect the heart of God in the lives of our friends and our neighbors and what it means for us to practice hospitality in kind of a countercultural way. Last week, we also talked about the idea that we're invaluable, And that doesn't mean that you lack value, but rather it means that you are uniquely valuable to the mission and to the work of God, that everyone has gifts. And what we want to do over these next two years is activate those gifts in serving God and serving his kingdom through Story Church. And then finally today, as we wrap things up, we want to talk about this idea that we're invested, that we're actually invited to be invested 
in the work of God, in this work that will outlast us and outlive us and out-influence us along the way. And I think maybe the tension of this idea today is that you may not feel all that invested in your church. I hope that's not the case for you today, but I've certainly gone through seasons where I've attended church, but maybe didn't feel invested in the life of that church. Like, it can be easy to do. In fact, to some degree, we create our environments to make it easy to do that because you can like slip in anonymously, you can sit in the seat, you can take it all in, right? And it looks like, hey, look, the professional Christian is doing the thing. Like, it, it seems like maybe that's what you're supposed to do. And it can be easy to, to kind of take in the services of the church, but not necessarily personally invest in the life of the church. And if that's you today, uh, again, I unashamedly want to challenge you to maybe make this next season the season where you invest, where you find your place, where you really own our mission with us to help connect people's story to God's story. And this is such a big deal because we want Story Church to be a church that is invested in this community. We want to be known for the things that we're for and for the impact that we're making. And uh, in fact, when I think about what it looks like for us, my desire for us is that if someday, heaven forbid, we had to close up our doors, pack up and leave, I want it to be said of us that we were missed right, that, that we were grieved. And I mean, again, it's kind of a unique piece of our story is we've actually tasted what that's like before, right? Because for those of you who go way back to our beginnings, we at one time were known as Oak Brook Church Peru, this campus of a larger church. And through a church merger in many ways for what it felt like for many of us, the church as we know it closed our doors. And it was unsettling and confusing, especially for those of us who were invested in it, right? It's like, what does that mean? And Maybe you felt that way when we were then Northview Church and then we became Story Church. Like, what does that mean? What does it look like? Some of you are not yet invested and I want you to know the power of being invested because others of us, we do know that, right? You've looked at season over season over season, even in this church, and you've seen story after story come through. You've seen lives changed. You, you've maybe even felt your own life be changed through the power of your investment. So here's my point. You may or may not be invested in the life of Story Church yet, but everyone is invested somewhere, okay? All of us are invested somewhere. You may not know exactly where you're invested, but like this is why you have season tickets to watch your team play, right? And like if it's 101 degrees, you're gonna be out there, or if it's minus 101 degrees, whatever, you're like gonna be out there and you've got the face paint on and you look like an idiot because like you're in, you're invested, that's your team. Uh, maybe for you, uh, I've done this before, maybe you signed up for a class like on how to manage your money but there was no registration fee required. And, and so then the day came for the class to actually happen. And you're like, ooh, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> I've got a lot of things to do this Tuesday. And so you just didn't show up, right? Do you know why you didn't show up? Because you weren't invested, right? There's no skin in the game. It didn't matter. We've actually hosted uh, classes like Financial Peace University or, or things that can help people manage their money. And whenever we do these, we typically attach a registration fee, not so much to cover the cost of the class, but because when you have skin in the game, you're invested and you actually show up. If you have an old junkie clunker car and somebody gets in and they say, hey, can I eat in here? You're probably like, Look, you can throw up in here. I don't care. Like it's, <laughs> it's junky, right? But, but if you just bought a brand new car, right? And your four-year-old is like, can I have ice cream in the back seat? You're like, you better be wrapped in plastic, right? <laughs> like, like we, we could, it's because you're invested, right? You're invested in that new car and it's valuable to you along the way. My point is whatever it is for you, we're all invested in something. But the problem is many of us invest in things that don't last, right? Many of us spend our time and our resources and our energy and our focus and our devotion on things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things for all that long at all. And, and it's kind of fascinating. I mean, we... 
we hate talking about money in church, right? I'm, I'm with you in that, by the way. It's kind of tension-filled for me, too. But, like, it's this, like, topic. But it's fascinating. When you look at the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, Jesus actually taught more about our possessions and our stuff and our money than he taught about heaven and hell combined. It's a fascinating thing. But the reason Jesus did that is because Jesus knew that one of our chief competitors for our devotion to God is our stuff. That, that one of the main things that can distract us from the work of God in and through our lives is when we get distracted by stuff and, and when we drift into like a scarcity mindset and we want to hold on to all of the things that we have. So Jesus actually uses these metaphors and teachings time and time again to talk about the importance of where our devotion is going and where our treasure is going. And in fact, Jesus says that where our treasure goes, where our resources go, actually reveal the things that we're most invested in, the things that we're most devoted to. And, and one time Jesus talked about this idea in a really direct way. And here's how he said it. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. It seems pretty clear, right? Again, back in my student ministry days, we actually had a t-shirt made that said Christians don't make good pirates because you know what pirates do? They get their treasure and they bury it, right? They keep it in the X marks the spot. Christians aren't supposed to do that. Jesus is saying, hey, don't store up all of your treasures here on earth where eventually it's all gonna go away, right? Kind of a sobering illustration. You've probably never been to a funeral with a trailer attached to it with all the stuff because we leave the stuff behind when life's journey comes to its end. Like Jesus is saying, hey, don't store up your stuff. Don't hoard what you have. Don't invest everything that you have in places that ultimately aren't going to matter and aren't going to last. Here's a cheesy maybe way of illustrating this concept because it rhymes, but maybe it'll make it memorable. The truth is God has created us to pour, not to store. Okay, God has created us to pour out our resources, to be generous, to be outwardly focused, not to just hoard things for ourselves and not just to store things up for ourselves. The things that we're blessed with aren't meant to stop with us. And in fact, if you remember, when we started this whole journey four weeks ago in this series, uh, we introduced you to a man named Abram. And Abram was really the guy who was the founder of the nation of Israel and the people of God. He's this guy that God used in a remarkable way. Uh, but the story started out with Abram just as a regular guy. He was learning his father's trade, living among his people. He had his tribe. He had his home. He had security and comfort. And then God shows up and he says, hey, step out and follow me to the place that I'm going to show you. It, it was this moment of extraordinary trust, but it had a promise attached to it. And do you remember what the promise was? This is what God said to Abram, he said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make you famous. All that sounds really good for Abram, right? Great nation, blessed, famous, bring it on God, like sign me up. But he doesn't stop there. And God says, and you will be a blessing to others. See, it's like, I'm gonna give you all of this, Abram, and then you're gonna distribute it out to everyone else. In fact, a couple of verses later, God says, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So God's vision for blessing has always been for it to be this continual cycle that goes on and on and on, that God blesses so that we bless and that we bless other people. And when you think about it, isn't it extraordinarily joy-filled to bless other people? I I've seen this phenomenon happen uh, as my parents have now become grandparents to my daughter and to my nephew and niece. It's like 
all the blessing is pouring out, right? And I'm like, where was that when I was a kid, mom? <laughs> not really, they were awesome. But like, it, like grandparents know, right? There's nothing better than loving on those grandkids and just blessing and blessing and blessing. Like it's what grandma and grandpa are for in so many ways. And uh, man, there's nothing better than that. In fact, like when you think about maybe the most significant moments in your life, the most impactful moments that you've experienced, isn't it true that it's probably a moment where you took something that you had, whether you had a little extra or whether you were giving sacrificially, and you chose to invest it in the life of somebody else who needed it, there is no more rewarding feeling. It's why we look back on those moments and, and we think, wow, I think that served me as much as it served them, right? It just feels incredible to go beyond yourself. It's also the reason why very few of us at the end of our lives look back and tell our consuming stories, right? Very few of us look back and we're like, hey, I've got to tell you like my most emotional spending story of all time. I mean, maybe it's like, I'm so sad that I did it because I have regret. And like, yeah, but like, it's very rare that we're like, I went in and I wanted it and I couldn't afford it, but I charged it. And it took me like nine months to pay it off. And it was like 19% interest. And it was incredible. Like nobody does that. We, what, we do that. Okay. But we don't talk about it. Those aren't the stories that we look back and we're like, man, that was incredible. But we do get emotional around the stories of giving. Right? We do get emotional about the people who invest in our lives. And in fact, if you think, even just for a brief moment right now, about the person who invested most in your life, can't you just feel it right there? You're like, oh my gosh, that was so incredible to be the recipient of their blessing. It, it, my point is that you were created to pour out, not to store up. You were created to bless, not to hoard your stuff. And I can't talk about this idea of generosity, or as we often say around here, this idea of living open-handed, Without talking about something we've talked about before, it's these two different mindsets that we can be tempted, uh, or, or two competing mindsets that we ultimately have to choose between. A and the mindset of our culture, the mindset that it's easiest for us to drift into as it relates to our stuff, is what I would call a scarcity mindset. I it's this mindset that effectively says, hey, there is only one pie, and there's only so many slices of that pie that are gonna go around. So if you actually get a piece, you better hold on to it. You better guard it. You better make sure nobody else comes and gets it because they're coming for it. Because again, there's only so much to go around. You've got to guard yours. You've got to protect it. And, and, and what happens when we have a scarcity mindset and then a giving opportunity shows up, we can fall into like win-then mode. And, and what I mean by win-then mode, it means like, well, when I have a little bit more, then I'll be able to give, right? When, when the situation is a little different, then I'll be able to do it. Because again, it's scarcity. We're like, I, I've only got so much. I've got to hold on to what I have. This is totally a sidebar. Uh, and some, some of you don't know this, but starting what was once Oak Brook Church Peru, this campus, uh, happened on the tail end of a generosity initiative that was called Beyond. It happened in 2015. Uh, but I can tell you, I was a part of the leadership team uh, for that initiative. And in the years leading up to it, we talked about planting a campus or a church in a small town for years and years and years. But church leaders are also not immune to scarcity mindset, okay? And we drifted into when, then, all the time. We're like, when we have a few more people, then we'll send them out, right? When we have a few more resources and things look a little like better balanced, then we'll send them out. And when we eventually did plant this church, it wasn't because we solved the when, then math, okay? It's because we decided, no, we're gonna go anyway. We're gonna send people anyway. We're gonna step out and we're gonna believe in faith and we're gonna risk it. See, the point is when we get so consumed with this stuff, we miss out on the bigger thing that God may wanna do in us and through us. And Jesus actually told a story 
about a man who was trapped in this scarcity mindset. Here's what he says. It says, Jesus told them this parable, that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And, and the man thought to himself, well, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So the story starts out kind of interestingly because uh, especially in the ancient world, agriculture was the way of life. And uh, in that world, uh, if your crops grew or didn't grow was often an indication of whether or not you had the favor of God or not. That it, you do your work, right? You plant, you sow, you take care of things. But what you reap ultimately depends on God. Is the weather going to be good, right? Or the conditions good in the soil? I, am I going to reap a harvest or am I not? And this man was a rich farmer, meaning God had made the crops grow. God had blessed this man and the man knew the principles of reaping and sowing and he was doing all the right stuff. But the problem is he fell in to his scarcity mindset. He says, I've got more than I need. What should I do? And then he answers his own question. He says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. For some of you, you're like, I thought Dave Matthews wrote that line. <laughs> nope, different David. But anyway, um, so this man, like, doesn't that kind of sound like the American dream? Th doesn't, I mean, if we're honest, I know this is like the ancient Israelite dream, but like, doesn't this kind of sound like what we do? Like, I'm going to accumulate more and more stuff, and then when I run out of space for my stuff, I'm going to get another storage unit, right? <laughs> or I'm going to get a, a bigger house, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pile it all up. And honestly, it makes sense, right? It's a reasonable plan. He's like, hey, I've got more than I can take care of, so I'm going to build something to take care of it. Like, I'm going to take care of it. For me, it's a really reasonable plan, and it makes a whole lot of sense if life is just about you, right? I mean, it makes a lot of sense if life is only about you, but God responds to this man. And the way he responds is pretty harsh, and it's pretty sobering to those of us who, like me, can fall into this scarcity mindset at times. It says, God said to him, you fool, this night, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. See, God brings up that sobering reality again. He's like, hey, make a great barn, man. Really cool. But today's the last day you have on this planet. Who's going to get your barn then? Because you're not taking it with you, right? There's not storage lockers <laughs> by the graveside or anything like that. Like the, the sobering truth is at the end of our lives, we leave it behind. Some of us plan for it, right? It goes to our kids or our grandkids. Some of us plan for it to not go to our kids or grandkids, <laughs> whatever the situation may be, but you don't take it with you. The, the stuff that we are so tempted to store and to hoard up and to protect and to, to hold on and to name as ours, ultimately we don't take with us in the end. But there's another way that we can view our relationship with our stuff and our relationship with our resources. And it's what we would call an abundance mindset. And an abundance mindset is what we were singing about earlier. It, it's this mindset that says we will never see the end of the goodness of God. There's not just one pie. He's making them all the time, right? <laughs> like, like, there's so much to go around. There's no lack in, in how much goodness we can find in God uh, that, that we can actually be extraordinarily generous because we don't have to cling so tightly to the things that we have because it's all been given to us as a blessing for us to steward and ultimately to bless other people with. And there's more that's gonna come as we continue to give out. There's more that's gonna come as we continue to stay open-handed. Uh, we talked about this in one of the most miraculous stories uh, from Jesus's ministry when Jesus feeds 5,000 people on a hillside one day. If you slept since then or you weren't with us a few weeks ago, uh, Jesus is teaching and he's been teaching for a while and the disciples are getting hangry. 
Okay, because they're like, we've heard it, Jesus. Like, maybe you feel this right now. We're getting pretty close to lunchtime. You're like, okay, wrap it up, buddy. Like, they're feeling that, and then they're like, uh-oh, there's no food around here. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? In fact, Jesus asks them, hey, how are we going to feed these people? I think he's kind of messing with them. And, like, the one disciple's like, hey, I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's not enough food here. And then Andrew goes out, and he finds his kid. And he's like, hey, this, this guy has five triscuits, okay, and some, like, fish sticks or whatever. He's like, here's lunch. Does this work? And he offers it to Jesus, and Jesus takes it. And if you know the story, he, he does this m- miracle where he multiplies this little boy's lunch to feed thousands of people. And it's a remarkable thing, but we didn't talk about this a few weeks ago. There's actually a principle behind it, a principle that, that really can shape and guide our relationship with our stuff. And, and the principle is this. It, it's that what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Think about how that story could have gone. Think about the scarcity mindset version of that story, right? Mama packed my lunch and it's mine, right? It, it could have been like, good mama took care of her son, son ate his triscuits, 5,000 people were hungry. <laughs> Not as good of a story, is it? Because what he had is what he had if he chooses to treat it that way. But because the little boy was willing to offer what he had, God took it and he multiplied it. And everyone had enough that there were leftovers. This is the point of this invitation we have in front of you today, to be a part of this spiritual initiative over the next two years to stretch ourselves, not to hoard our resources, not to say it's mine, but rather to open ourselves up to God and say, God, I'm gonna offer what I have, and over the next two years, I wanna see you multiply it in a way that we never could on our own. This is the reason that we're telling you that you can be invested in the life and in the work of the local church, specifically Story Church in this season. It's because I don't believe there's a better investment that you could make. Outside of loving and caring for your immediate family, I don't think there is any more significant role that you can play than investing in the life of a healthy and thriving local church because it will outlive you and it will outlast you and ultimately it will out-influence you. But it's not wasted when you give it. God multiplies our gifts through the life of a church. And I was thinking about the power of investment and was reminded of two things really quickly before we invite you to be a part of this next season. Uh, The first thing is I've got to talk about my daughter because I feel like I've done that every week so far this series. Uh, But I was thinking about the power of investment and just the role that many of us get to play through the parenting journey. Uh, We actually ran into some friends of ours who just had a newborn uh, yesterday. And as we were sitting there looking at this newborn, I mean, so little, really cute, but like just a little baby ball of goo, right? Because that's basically all they are in that season. It's like, I was reminded looking at this baby, like they're so adorable, so helpless, right? So are the parent, like don't know what they're doing yet. But like, it's like, that's so cute. And for like the first one or two years, that's kind of what it is, isn't it? It, It's just like, just keep them alive. Just take care of them. Take in all the cuteness. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're human, but like there's not a lot of personality, at least in terms of like meaningful conversation and experience that you can have yet. But for me, Eden, she's four, she'll be five in August. And for me, it's a really fun season because all of a sudden, like, Eden is showing up, right? Eden's personality is showing up. Last week was Star Wars week. Uh, may the fourth be with you. And uh, it's been so fun this past week or two. It's been all Star, War- all Star Wars all the time because I let her play Lego Star Wars with me on the Xbox one night because that's how I wind down. And <laughs> she was, like, sitting there with me, and she is asking me about all the characters. And, and that right there, she has uh, my old lightsaber from when I was a kid in all of its 1990s glory. And, uh, like, she struck that pose all on her own. I was just like, hey, give me a Jedi pose. And she's like, yeah, 
like she's doing her thing and for me it's just like oh my gosh I mean it's one thing for her to discover the things that she loves um you know drawing and Elsa and all you all that stuff but but some of these things I'm like oh man that was me as a kid right like that I did that and now I see her living it out or uh soccer is another example right I played soccer when I was a kid and now I get to coach her team and it's been so cool seeing just her growth and development, even over the past three weeks. Like week one, she was on the field picking dandelions. <laughs> and then week two, it's like, she's like, hey, there's a ball. <laughs> and, and last week, like yesterday we had a game and I think she even got a couple of kicks in on it. I was like, you're figuring it out, right? You're learning to love it. Isn't that the power of investment, right? Seeing a, a little child or seeing another person become who they're made to be because you're willing to give time and energy and focus. Like, I mean, parents, even though it's further along than me in the journey, like, is there any better feeling than seeing the investment you made in the life of your kids pay off down the road when you see them become the person God made them to be? Isn't that one of the greatest gifts that you can experience? Here's my point. As we're asking you to invest in the future here at Story Church, it might not be about the building, okay? It might not be brick and mortar that your gift ends up going to. Maybe for you, you help us hire that staff person who invests in the life of a student or in the life of a kid. A and for you, maybe your greatest accomplishment throughout this journey is not something you do, but it's somebody that you raise, right? It's somebody that, that you influence because you make an investment and that investment has ripple effects far beyond what you can see in this moment. Again, I was thinking about this moment that we're about to step into as we receive our commitments. And I was also reminded of the church that I grew up in. I feel like a couple weeks ago I picked on the Methodist Church. I need to redeem that moment. So uh, I grew up in the United Methodist Church, uh, Main Street United Methodist in Kokomo, Indiana. It's still there. Um, although, sadly, I mean, as churches go through life cycles and seasons, uh, I believe they're kind of nearing the end uh, of their time together as a church. But I grew up there. I've told people I was practically born in a pew. <laughs> like I can remember sitting there and uh, doodling on the offering envelope and passing the little offering thing as it went by. And, you know, all the stuff you do if you're a kid in church. I remember my parents were my Sunday school teachers year after year after year. Every time I thought I was going to graduate and age out, they moved up with me. I'm like, oh, hey, mom, is the answer still Moses? Okay. But like, <laughs> so, I mean, it was this incredible foundation for me to grow up in that church, um, but I was thinking about it in light of our church, in light of this next season that we're stepping into. And you know what I never thought about for the first 13 years of my life that I attended that church and, and this foundation of faith was built in me? I never once thought about the people who started it. And, and I actually did some digging and found out that that church was actually a church plant from another Methodist church in Kokomo. They decided, hey, the edge of town at that time, which is now downtown, uh, needed to be reached. And so they planted Main Street United Methodist to become uh, this new faith community. And I think it's kind of cool that I'm like, oh my gosh, my faith story in so many ways was shaped by a church that was once this new risky church plant that some faithful people stepped out and started. Uh, they've gone through all kinds of different seasons. In the 60s, somebody committed arson and tried to like burn the church down. And uh, I love the resilience of their faith. They decided to take the uh, blown out stained glass that, that was destroyed from that fire, and they created this mosaic that I saw every Sunday behind the big cross uh, as I grew up as a kid. So they just, they took broken moments in their story and they redeemed them. But I was thinking about the people who invested in that church, right? It took money to build that building. It took money to rebuild that building after the fire. It took money to have goldfish and snacks and programming and all that stuff that I enjoyed as a kid. And I was thinking about it and I realized I don't know their names. I don't know what they look like. 
I don't know what year they even did it, honestly. I, I should go back and learn the history, but, but I'm a result of it. Right? I'm, I'm a product of their investment. And by the way, so are you. Because if there's no Main Street United Methodist Church, I don't know what my faith journey looks like. Right? I, I don't know. I, may, I assume my parents would have found another church, but maybe not. I mean, again, I'll give you a full backstory. We ended up there because my mom went to preschool there. <laughs> they just had a preschool, and then she grew up, and, and then we were a part of it. And, and here's the ripple effects, and here's my point, okay? For the season we're jumping into, I don't know how many years we'll have a story church. Okay, I'm not going anywhere. We're planning up for at least two more here on this journey. But you don't know the ripple effect of what your yes might be today, right? You, you don't know who you might impact by helping us move into the next chapter together. You don't know who's going to be baptized in that building. Right? You don't know what kid is going to not even have money for lunch, right? But is going to get connected with a tutor. And, and that tutor is going to care about them and, and love them and introduce them to their heavenly father who loves them and, and potentially change the trajectory of their life. And here's what I want you to get. You may never know. Just like whoever started Main Street United Methodist Church has no idea who I am. <laughs> but here I am, this other ripple effect of the investment that they made. Because what you keep is what you have, but what you give, God multiplies. If you have your commitment card with you, I'd love you to take it out right now. The band is going to come here. And uh, again, we want this to be a spiritual journey. Okay, So we want to give you the opportunity to actually have a moment with God, prayerfully considering uh, what you're going to do, what you feel led to do. If you've already done your homework, good job listening. And uh, just take a moment with your family or, or on your own with your card and pray for God to use it in a disproportionate way over these next two years. Pray for God to do more than you could ask or imagine. Right? Pray for God to create that ripple effect that will outlive you and will outlast you. And if you're here and you haven't filled one of these out, I mean, here's my challenge to you. I don't want you weeks or months or years down the road to have the burden of wondering what could have happened if you would have trusted God and stepped out. And so maybe for you in this moment, you do some business with God and you figure out what it looks like for you to say, hey, I'm in for the next season and I'll be a part of it. But for all of us together, it takes all of us, right? And we're being invited to make a commitment to create the future for this church and to create the next chapter in the story of people to be reached and impact to be had. So here's what we're going to do. Take just a moment, prayerfully reflect, invite God to use your gift, and then I will come back up in just a second, and we'll invite you to actually come forward because I think there's power in actually marking a moment. We're going to invite you to come forward and actually put your commitment card in one of these four buckets we have up front as a way of saying, I'm in for this next season. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.